Chris Sawyer, NMLS number 39345, corporate NMLS number 338923, Mac Home Mortgage and Equal Housing Lender, American Neighborhood Mortgage Acceptance Company, LLC, DBA, Mac Home Mortgage, Lo-Fi Direct, Connecticut First Mortgage Correspondent, License Lender, Broker Number, ML 338923, Massachusetts Mortgage Lender and Mortgage Broker License Number, MC Welcome to Sports Talk with RJ. I'm Steve Risser along here with Justin Anafrio. And uh, yesterday we had Rob Gronkowski for the second time retired from the NFL. Uh, yesterday he retired. Um, and I think I think right now it's the right move for him to retire. I mean, I think he he had a, he had a, he set an out, he's had an outstanding career with the Patriots and the Buccaneers. And I just think I just think, I just think it's time. I mean, he's arguably the best tight end in football. I think he is the second best tight end in the game behind Tony Gonzalez because of the quarter because of the quarterbacks he played with. But uh, but Justin, what are your thoughts on Robert Kurankowski retiring? Yeah. Um... You know, I figured maybe he'd go one last ride here with Brady because it sounds like this may be it for Brady as well. Maybe we send up, see him at some point near the end of the season. They need help offensively if they're struggling or whatnot. Maybe Brady makes a phone call to him. Um, but yeah, he's one of, been one of the best tight ends. He's pretty much done it all. You know, um, he's been one of the best. Again, he a nightmare to tackle. Uh, you know, his stats, especially in the playoffs, have been really, really good. So yeah, he's been one of the best tight ends in the league. You know. Since his um, time in New England, and, you know, when him and when when he was with the Patriots, him and Aaron Hernandez, those you know, both of them tight ends, um, that offense was really tough to stop with both of them. And yeah, he's one of the best tight ends and um, battled a lot of injuries, but um, yeah, he's been an outstanding player. Oh, absolutely, without question, without question, I mean, he's absolutely phenomenal. And the big the big question is is uh. How is this going to affect the Bucks? How is this going to affect the Bucks this season? Because uh, obviously Brady loses one of his one of his better players. I know he's not the player he once was, but he loses one of his better players. So how is this going to affect the Bucks going going into the season? And I think it'll affect them, but not affect them that much. I I, I still think the Bucks are going to be fine. I still I think I still think they're going to they're going to be a, a really good team this year, uh, even without Rob Gronkowski. I don't think it's going to affect them that much, but it could be the difference of them being better than the Rams and getting to a Super Bowl. Yeah, it could be a little bit, you know, Cameron Braid's still a solid tight end, you know, getting you like that ground, but yeah, so yeah, I, I think that offense would be fine. They still got some great wide receivers, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, you know, Cameron Braid's serviceable, so, and, and you got Brady, and Brady can make a lot of people look better than they are, so whoever that number two tight end is for him next year, again, I, I think, you know, they could do enough with that, and again, yeah, Brady just, you know, Brady makes everybody around him better. Um, but yeah, maybe it does make the difference for them of um, of the Rams maybe just being a tad bit better than them. Um, but the the Buccaneers should be fine. 
Yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely. And and the big question is, I think we kind of answered already. Is he the greatest tight end of all time? I don't, I don't think so because T- Tony Gonzalez did it with a bunch of different quarterbacks: Elvis Gerback, uh, Trent Green, Brady Quinn, Brody Croyle. He did it with an end Matt Ryan at the end of his career, but he did it with a bunch of different quarterbacks. Rob Gronkowski only did it with one, and that was the greatest quarterback of all time. So. I would say that he's the second best tight end of all time. I would not say he's the best tight end of all time. I got him number one. <laughs> I just think and I watched, you know, Tony Dodds at the end of his career, but I just think Gronk was just built differently. Like there, there wasn't anything that he couldn't do. He was a great blocker. And he was great at the deep ball. You know, he run over you. You know, he's great in the middle of the field. He was great at the short outs. He was really good in the red zone. You know, again, and he was too big for or. Yeah, too big for safety to cover him. He's always too fast for uh, or yeah, too fast for the linebackers to cover. So he was just a tough nightmare night in and night out. Again, you know his numbers. Again, especially in the playoffs, he came up big at times as well. So you know Tony Gonzalez, great tight end, but I just think Gronk was built a little bit differently. And if he was able to stay healthy throughout his career, you know his numbers would look you know even better. Oh, absolutely, without question, without question. I mean, if he was able to stay healthy, but I think that's the other issue. He wasn't able to stay healthy. Gonzalez was more durable. That's why I would take the more durable guy. That's why I would take Tony Gonzalez because he was the more durable player. Rob Gronkowski, even though he was outstanding, he was not very durable. And don't forget, when the Patriots had that comeback down 28-3 in the Super Bowl, guess who wasn't on the field? Rob Gronkowski. Yeah, so that's why I'm taking Tony Gonzalez over him. Yeah, I can see why Tony Gonzalez is right there. Yeah, you know, that was the problem. I know Gronk at times tried to play through injury. Um, you know, he did try, but again, wasn't always happen. I just, you know, yeah, playing with Brady again definitely helps you, definitely helps you be better. But like, I just, there's not a tight end that was just built like that. Like, he's 6'6 and he could, he's got the speed, could it, you know, early on have the speed to play. Like, you know, they could spread him out and they could put him at wide receiver and, you know, he'd be a really solid wide receiver as well. He's just, you know, I just think he was just built differently than any other tight end we've kind of seen. And, you know, I know the numbers, you know, because the injuries don't, you know, would be even better. But, um, you know, I, I think, too, like he just, you know, um, uh, productively, I think he's been the, the greatest tight end as well. Because, again, you know, he's, if he stayed healthy, you know, his numbers would jump off the page even more. And, again, it does help that he had Tom Brady. With oh, without question. Him, like, without, question. Without, without question. But. Still, I mean, he still had a great career. And as a Patriots fan, what was your favorite Rob Kronkowski moment? I probably could guess. I think it was on a Sunday night game in Indianapolis. Yeah, that, that play in the, yeah, <laughs> against Indianapolis. Um, yeah, that was a great play. That or just all, like, the Gronk spikes. Like, the, the, my funniest one was when they played in London. He was, like, did the Gronk spike and started, like, mimicking, um, mimicking you know, the uh, guards. Um, like, the, I forget what they are called. Like, damn, that was a funny moment. But, yeah, the Sunday night one. Um, you know, against the Colts, that touchdown, that big play, uh, yeah, definitely was probably the best one. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think that that play, no one will forget that play against the Colts. But it's a great career from Rob Gronkowski. He will be a Hall of Famer. He is one of Brady's best weapons. And he, let's, let's, uh, we'll see if he stays retired. That's the big question. But as of right now, he is retired. But we got to shift over to some tough news in the NFL, and that's Deshaun Watson as he settled 20 of his 24 lawsuits brought against him. But 
there's still four that have not been settled and, and, and those four, and, and I, I don't see those four being settled anytime soon. I think, the, I think that he's going to, it's going to be a fight with those. And uh, I don't think this, the big question is here is, does this have any effect on his, is, is this going to affect the league uh, suspending him? Does this have any effect on the suspension? The league's going to hand, hand, hand down on him. And I don't think so. I think this league, this has been an 18 month investigation. I, I feel like the league has decided what they're going to do. I'm thinking I thought six games. I'm thinking now it's getting close to eight or ten games. A lot of people think it should be at least ten games. I'm thinking it's getting to be ten games for Deshaun Watson. Yes, the Browns backloaded the contract, so they're you know he doesn't have a I mean he doesn't have a major cap hit this year. But I, I'm I still think he's even though he's settled on twenty of the twenty four lawsuits, I still think he's getting at least an at least at least an eight games of suspension. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's ten games or even the entire season. I think I I think it's gonna be entire season. You know, I just think you know you it just again you had sixty six different masseuses in over seventeen months. Like that's just that that that's crazy. Like there there's something wrong with that, and I think that really sticks out. And I, I think he should probably be suspended for for the entire season. Um, yeah, it doesn't sound like the other four are gonna get you know um, till anytime soon. But yeah, I just I think you should probably get a year, and that contract now I think that's a horrible look too for the NFL. Um, you know, he's only getting paid one million this year. I just think it's a big slap in the face, and I think it's kind of horrible that he's gonna he's the one that's kind of getting the most guaranteed money right now in the league, and this is kind of upon him right now. So I think it's a black guy of the NFL, and I, I think they have to come down and make a big statement, and you know, and I think that's probably going to be a year. Um, and I think that what it should again. It's just uh, I, I 66 masseuses. I just I don't it, that that that's just crazy. And I, I don't you know again so, something's not right there. Or, I mean I, I mean um, again what you know like it's it just I, I just can't comprehend how how you know how he could not figure out how to keep a masseuse because that just that just seems impossible. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's, it's just sickening. This whole situation is sickening. Yeah, it's an embarrassment that, that, that he is the highest pay. He has the most guaranteed money, and he, you know, it's 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 absolutely embarrassing. And it's shame on the Browns for giving him that kind of money. But that just shows you what that organization's all about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, it just kind of been bad decisions. You know, poor play. Again, they finally think that they have the quarterback. They tried to jump on him, and again, it it, it looks bad on him now. And Again, yeah, and the $1 million this year, they kind of just, you know, kind of seems like they kind of just swept them around. Okay, you get suspended, you know, we'll, we'll backload it for you. So, yeah, it's just it, – it's a bad look for the Browns. It's a bad look for the NFL. And, you know, obviously for Watson, just – again, it's just – it's a horrible slap in the face. Oh, without question. Without question. It's absolutely – it's absolutely pathetic. It's absolutely pathetic that, that, that the Browns would, get, would give him a contract like that. Yeah, it is. You know, and again, they, they – you know, they had to know some of this – you know, before we did that HBO kind of, you know, um, you know, documented that went on with, you know, talking to the victims, it, it, it you know, it, it made it sound like, you know, they, there's no possible way that this guy's that Watson's innocent. So yeah, it's just, it's a total bad look right now. Um, yeah. And the Browns just made a complete bad mistake in another kind of dark cloud hanging over Cleveland. Absolutely. Without question, without question, but now we want to go back to talking sports and we will talk, we'll now transition over to the NBA draft, which is tomorrow night and the Orlando magic 
have the first pick in the NBA draft. And, you know, for a team like the Magic, uh, this, this is one of those teams that, that, uh, that, uh, they've been struggling for years. They need that. They need that superstar. They're very guard oriented. I mean, with, uh, with, with Jalen Suggs and with uh, Cole Anthony. So they're pretty good at the guard position, but they need help. They need, they need a big guy. They need, they need a, and, and, and I think, and it's really between for me, Jabari Smith and, uh, and, and uh, Chet Holmgren. And I'm going with Jamari Smith. I feel like he's the full package. He's great defensively. He he could shoot the three. He's a really good scorer. And I think he will he, he's going to be that franchise guy that will turn the Magic organization around. Yeah, I could totally see that happen. Jamari Smith would be a big good pick for him. I got Paul Bancaro. I saw some of the odds kind of way shift in his favor, but now it kind of sounds like it's probably going to be Jabari Smith. Um, but I think Bancaro, I, I think, is such a talented player. You know, his only weakness really we saw in college this year was his three-point shot wasn't great. Um, you know, because he grew, you know, he hit his growth spurt late. So he played guard majority of his life, and he kind of moved to forward late in his high school career. So he's a really good playmaker. He's got very good vision for his size. So he's a guy that could do it all. And I think, you know, for Orlando, the pairing with Cole Anthony um, be a really, really nice addition for the Orlando Magic. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So with the number two pick, that is the Oklahoma City Thunder, and they could pretty much go anywhere. I mean, they do have SGA, who's a really, really good player, but outside of that, their team is not good. They need a they need a top tier player, and uh, it, it, for me, it was between Paolo Bencaro and Chet Holmgren. I'm going with Chet Holmgren because I think Chet Holmgren could do everything offensively. He is a little yes, he needs to put some muscle on him, but he could do everything offensively. He could handle the ball. He could shoot the three. This kid's got a ton of a ton of potential. And I think he could do anything offensively. And that's why with the number two overall pick, I got the Orlando Magic select. No, I mean, I got the Oklahoma City Thunder selecting Chet Holmgren out of Gonzaga. I am going with Jabari Smith out of um, Auburn. Yeah, you know, Jabari Smith, I think, you know, for his size, he's got, you know, a ton of potential. Um, he's got a very good shot, too, for his size. You know, he's, you know, wasn't great in the paint last year though, defensively at times, but again, he had a Walker Kessler, so you know he didn't really have to. Um, but he's a guy that could really switch off defenders. Um, you know, he could kind of play a couple different positions defensively. Yeah, he's a guy, he's very versatile. Um, you know, he shot the ball pretty well at Auburn last year, shooting the three for 42%. But yeah, I think he's got to get um, improve a little bit at the offensive game. And but I, I think talentedly wise, I think he could be a really nice. Nice pick for the Oklahoma City Sun, Oklahoma City Thunder. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So with the number three overall pick, I got the uh, I got the Houston Rockets. It's pretty much a three or four player draft, but because they got the Garden Jalen Green last year with the number two overall pick, I got them taking Paolo Bencaro with the number three overall pick. As we all saw him at Duke last year, yes, he wasn't the greatest three point shooter, but the kid could drive the ball to the basket. He's really strong. He's, 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 he's going to be, I think, going to be a really, really good player in the league. Potentially, potentially could be a superstar. And the Rockets need talent. I mean, they, they pretty much after the James Harden trade, it's hard to rebuild. Now they got, they got, they got Jalen Green. Now they, now they can get Apollo Bencaro. That could get that team to build towards the future. So with the number three overall pick, I got Apollo Bencaro out of Duke going to the Rockets. I got uh, Chet Hogan going here. You know, I, I think get Chet. I think he. He could be a unicorn for a team, um, you know, for any team they, they need a center big time, the Rockets. Uh, you know, I know some of the medical he isn't 
given any of his medical records I heard this morning out to any of the team. So maybe he could slip, but yeah, I, I think he's a guy. If, yeah. If he could put some muscle on here, you know, I just think he's, he could be a really special player. Again, the guy could play point guard. Um, you know, like the numbers don't jump off the page last year, Gonzaga, but again, you know, they had so much talent around him. He did almost average a double, double. Um, they didn't really need to play a ton of point guard last year, but, yeah, you know, if you can get some weight on. I think you could be a really, really special player at the NBA level. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Oh, yeah, I definitely think Holman can be if he can get some, he can put some weight on. Now we got your team at the number four overall pick, and there's a lot of rumors about trades here. You know, there's a lot of rumors that the Kings might trade down for this pick. I ask the question before we say we're we think they're going to pick. Do you want the Kings to keep the pick? Oh yes, big time. I do not want to trade this pick. I, I unless it. Because I want Ivy, and I yeah. think Ivy is going to turn out. I think he could be like John Morant. Unless you're getting a guy back that's going to be like a John Morant, keep this pick. I, I agree, and I agree, and that's why I got the Kings with the number four overall pick taking Jaden Ivy. And it's pretty obvious who you got the Kings taking. Oh yeah, I got Jaden Ivy. Um, you know, I, I I I just see so much similarities from him and John Morant, the playmaking style, the explosiveness. Again, he's starting to improve the three point shot. Um, you know, he may not have the as good a vision as, as John Morant does because, you know, um, Ivy's had some turnover problems the last couple of years at Purdue. But I, I think he can work that out, and I think he'll be fine. I think him and Fox in the backcourt could be a really, really special combo. And I think those two could light it up every day. And our GM, Monty McNair – now, well, this will be interesting because our GM, Monty McNair, wants Ivy. Our owner and coach want Keegan Murray. So, wow. And they did – I guess they took Keegan Murray out to dinner. But they did that for Luka Doncic. So, it's not the – Oh, yeah, yeah exactly. So, um, this is going to show how much power McNair has. You know, if it's Ivy, that means he's got some power. If it's Murray, that means the owner still has all the power. So, it'll, it'll be interesting here. But I, I want Jaden and Ivy. If you, him and Fox, I think, together could be a really special combo. And, you know, I, I again, I, I hope they don't trade this pick. They want to win now player here, but I think Ivy could be that guy in a year or two. And I know McNair's in his father's year's contract, so that may be too long to wait, which worries me. Um, but I, I hope they keep this pick and get Jaden Ivy. We missed out on Luka Doncic. Now, now pick up Jaden Ivy. It's it's like a you know, here's a here's here's kind of your second. You know, you missed out on the first one. Here you go again. Gift wrap. Don't make the same mistake this time. I'm surprised Jaden Ivy's not getting conversation for the number one pick. Pick. I think a guy who could shoot a guard who can shoot three. I mean, Bencaro, Holmgren, and Smith are not guards, and they're and they're taken ahead of him. And and he averaged as many points a game as any of those guys last year. I'm kind of surprised he's not in conversations for the number one pick. Yeah, me too. Because I think he's the number one player on the on my draft board. I, I really like this kid at guard. Yeah, because he does so many things well. You know, like I I, I know I said a couple times, but I just think there's so much John Morant in his game that in a year or two he's going to be a difference maker. Again, maybe he's not going to be an MVP guy year two, year three, but I think potentially it could be, you know, because they're supposed to, yeah, the guard play. I don't know what, why, you know, I know Ben Carroll is a special player. You know, Jabari Smith is too. You know, Jabari Smith probably could have gone anywhere besides, you know, if he went to like an Alabama or something like that, he probably could have had like 25 a game. Holgram, I know, like you just don't see too many seven footers that could do it all like Holgram. Uh, but yeah, with Ivy going number four, I, I do think he's the best player on the draft board. And yeah, I, again, I, I really hope in, you know, I really hope that the Kings hold on to this pick. 
So with the number five overall pick, the that goes to the Detroit Pistons. And uh, I, I think for the Pistons, I think they need a, a guy who could shoot threes. I mean, Cade Cunningham is a really good player, but they, they need yeah, I mean, they need a player that could, that, that could shoot the ball. And I think that's why I got them taking Keegan Murray. Keegan Murray shot over 40% from – he was almost 40% from three-point range, average 23 and a half points a game at Iowa last year as a sophomore. So with the number five overall pick – I got the Detroit Pistons taking Keegan Murray. You pair him and Kate Cunningham, I think that's going to be a good pairing. So that's why I got Keegan Murray going number five overall to the Pistons. For me, number five, I got Bennett Matherin, the guard out of Arizona going to Detroit. Yeah, pairing him with Kate Cunningham at the guard spot. I know he's not the greatest three-point shooter yet. Bennett Matherin, he shot a lot, but wasn't great. Um, But I think, yeah, him and Cunningham could be a really good young duo there. Um, you know, I think he's got a lot of potential, you know, especially that offensive play. They kind of played an NBA style offense last year. Um, you know, I, I think he's somebody too that could, you know, kind of do it all. He gets a basket, he, you know, um, mid range shots pretty good, you know, it's just kind of improving a little bit more, um, that three point shot, but you know, um, and his defense needs to get a little bit better as well. I know Detroit wasn't great defensively last year. Um, but this is another thing he's going to kind of work on. But I think another guard there for Detroit um, would be a nice pickup for him. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, Matherin and uh, Cunningham would be a really, really good uh, backcourt there. But with the number sixth pick, we got the Indiana Pacers. And I'm gonna, I got them going with the upside pick. I got them going with uh, Shaden Sharp from uh, Kentucky. I, I Really, we didn't see him play at all last year because he didn't, he didn't play at Kentucky. But – I think that the Pacers, a rebuilding team, take a guy with upside. He's supposed to be a pretty good shooter. When you have guards like Halliburton and Brogdon, he's a pretty good. And Zabonis, bonus doesn't – no, I know Zabonis is gone. That's my bad. But Halliburton and uh, – and, uh, Healed. Halliburton Healed. and uh, Healed. Buddy Heal too. So they do have a shooter there too. But I think they can add another score, a guy who could be a really, really good player. And that's why I got uh, Shadon Sharp going to the Pacers, number six overall. So for me, my – Number six pick, I got Keegan Murray at Iowa. Um, yeah, I think he's a switchable big man. He's a good three-point shooter. I think he's very versatile, too, on the offensive side. He's good in the paint as well. Um, and I love for an Iowa team that's not – that doesn't play much defense. He is a really good defense. He's really good on, on defense side of the ball. Um, I, I think he kind of shoots the lights out for him. Indiana trying to kind of find, like, a big man replacement at power forward spot. Um, I think Sabonis, I mean, that's, um, Murray, Murray would be a good pickup here for him. And, you know, he's a guy too, that could really space the floor. And I know that's very valuable, valuable here in today's NBA. With the number seven overall pick that goes to the Portland trailblazers. And I got them taking another, I got to take another guy with high potential. And I know they have Damian Lillard, but I don't know how long Damian Lillard is going to be there. So I got them taking a point guard. I got them taking Dyson Daniels, uh, and he's an international. I'm not sure where he's from, but he's an international player. But Justin, who do you got the Blazers taking number seven overall? Number seven, I got the Portland Trail Blazers taking a guard, um, Shaden Sharp as well out of Kentucky. Yeah, he didn't play at all, so it's kind of an unknown. But the but you know everything I've read is the potential for him is off the charts, and if you know they can get if the chosen can get the potential out of him, um, it'll be a really really good pickup for this for these guys and. You know, he, I think he could be a really solid replacement for C.J. McCollum. Um, he does a lot of things well. He's physical, pretty athletic. Um, you know, 
tall too at six foot six. So I, I know there's risk with him because we have not really seen him play a competitive game, you know, outside of the high school level or AU level. Um, but I think there's a ton of potential there for him. And he was a top five recruit too. So, you know, and I think on a couple boards, he was like number one overall recruit. So, you know, the, the potential is really, really high there for him. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. With the number eight pick, that goes to the New Orleans Pelicans. And uh, I got them improving their guard play. I got them going out and getting – I got C.J. McCollum. I'm going out and having them go out and get uh, Benedict Matherin from Arizona. I think there would be – imagine if you can get Matherin, you can get McCollum, you can get – and Brandon Ingram, get those three on the same team. You're forming kind of a – forming a little bit of a big three there. And so, and, and I think the Pelicans need need better guard play outside of uh, outside of C.J. McCollum. So I got with the number eighth pick. I got the Pelicans going up at Matherin with that pick. For me, I'm going um, A.J. Griffin out of Duke. You know, New Orleans last year was one of the worst three point shooting teams. You know, they think they were ranked 27th in three point shooting percentage last year. So they really need somebody that could kind of fill it up hit the three ball coming in and AJ Griffin was able to do that. Um, he's a great spot up shooter, you know, banged up. So it, like you saw him in February and March, they were really turned it on. You really saw what he's able to do. Um, you know, he was a 49% three point shooter last year. You know, he could pretty much score from anywhere on the floor. And, you know, again, you know, we'll kind of see, um, you know, what he's, um, you know, we'll, we'll see more of him, you know, hopefully, you know, kind of was battling ankle injury most of the last year. Um, but I think, you know, he's a guy that still has room to grow, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But I think it'd be a really nice pick up there for the Pelicans to really improve that three-point shooting. With the ninth overall pick, that goes to San Antonio Spurs. And I know they got a good guard in uh, – I know, I know they got a really good guard in uh, Deontay Murray. But uh, – the, the, I think they need another guard, and I think Johnny Davis would be good. Johnny Davis averaged almost 20 points a game in the Big Ten last year. He doesn't have the greatest three-point shooter, but he averaged 20 points a game in the Big Ten Big Ten last year. I think he will really, really help the Spurs team going forward. For me, I got the uh, Spurs going guard with Dyson Daniels of the G League. Um, you know, I, I know he really hit the – really rose up here in the lottery territory after he really played well in the G League and had a really good, you know, um, combine and – you know, and his pre-draft workouts and all that was spectacular. So, um, you know, I, I think he's a guy with the Spurs. I think he fits well because he's an elite defender from everything I've read. And, you know, I, and I think that really fits the Spurs. Again, I, they need some shooting. He, he's not great. That probably needs an improvement. But I think he does fit the Spurs really well, really well with the way he can defend. Oh, oh absolutely, absolutely. And, I, and the Spurs need – and the Spurs definitely – the Spurs definitely need defense. They they have they have they have to step up defensively. That, that, that team, I mean, I mean, it, and, and they definitely need need a score. So I think Daniels would be a good pick. But we now move to the Washington Wizards, and with an and a, with the number ten overall pick, I got the Wizards going with AJ Griffin. I feel like they need a good a good three point shooter because it looks like Bradley Beal's going to opt out. It looks like Beal's going to opt out of his deal with them. So I think they need they need a good three point shooter, and I think AJ Griffin can be that guy. Yeah, AJ Griffin could definitely come in and tap up and help the Wizards there. Um, I'm going to another four, but out of Baylor, Jeremy Shohan. Um, he's a positionalist player, you know, really good defensively, especially on the perimeter for his size. He can play some guard as well. Um, I think for Washington, you know, 
they, they kind of need some score in big time. They need to kind of find somebody. Um, I think Shohan kind of brings in a good kind of playing at Baylor one, um, you know, had a really good record there. So I think he's somebody that could fits really well, especially in this new day and age kind of positionless basketball. And I, I think he'd be somebody that could come in to make an impact right away. Oh, absolutely. 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 So we got the Knicks with the number 11 pick in the draft and, uh, it's pretty obvious what they need. They need a point. They they definitely need a point guard. This team needs a point guard. And really, this is kind of a reach here, going out and getting Ty Ty Washington. He only averaged 12 and a half a game. But the kid does have upside. The Knicks need a point guard badly. They need a guy who has potential to be a superstar badly. So I know this is a reach. But as a Knicks fan, this is what I'm hoping for. And, and this is what I think they do. With the number 11th overall pick, I got the Knicks taking Ty Ty Washington. Yeah, I got the same pick as you out of Kentucky. Um, he's somebody – he had 17 assists one game last year against Georgia. You know, that was a school record. You know, and he played mostly off-ball most of the year. Um, but, you know, decision-making could use a little work. Wasn't great at that. Um, the shooting could, you know, use a little bit of work too. But he can create his own shot for him or himself – or for him or for his teammates. Yeah, you know, the Knicks really need that – need a point guard. Um you know, they, they do need that. I don't know how much long you could, you know, rely on Derrick Rose to kind of be the, you know, kind of be out there at his age and with his knee problems. And, you know, they it seems like the, the Knicks, too, have loved taking Kentucky guys over the years. So it kind of makes sense that, you know, maybe another one does go to uh, go to the garden here. Absolutely. I would really I really like I, I wouldn't mind Ty Ty Washington. But what I want him to do is I want him trading up for Jaden Ivey. Yeah, they. It sounds like they, I know the Knicks are right there. The Kings want a win now player. And I just don't know who the Knicks could give that player to. That's who they want to the deal. Be, it would probably it would be Randall or Barrett. That's who. It and would be. I and there's not. no way the Knicks will. There's no way the Knicks would trade uh, R.J. Barrett. And for you guys, there's, I don't think there's any way you the Kings take uh, Julius Randall. No, because it's a bonus. So I, you know, yeah, I, I would hope not Randall because I don't think Randall will fit well with us. So yeah, I know it's probably be tough for the Knicks, but. It's right there. So, yeah, you know, I know maybe potentially the Knicks would kind of jump up and, and take that pick because, yeah, I yeah, I, I don't think, yeah, the Knicks are ready to give Rudy Barrett. Randall just don't think fits well with us, you know. So, yeah, hopefully, hopefully they don't train up and get Ivy. I'd be really, really disappointed. All right. All right. All righty. All righty. All righty. Yeah, I, but I would I would love the Knicks to trade up for Ivy. I know you'd be disappointed, but I would love yeah. the Knicks to trade up for Ivy. So we'll see what happens there. That should be interesting what happens at four if one of those teams trades up for him. But we got to get to the number 12th pick, and that is the Oklahoma City Thunders. And I think we both got the same guy. I got the Thunder going Jalen Durant. You got the Thunder going Jalen Durant. I didn't. I know he scavenged like 10 points a game, but there's upside there. Obviously, you put I got him and Holmgren on the same team. You got him and Paolo on the same. You got him and uh, you got him him and uh, in um Jabari Jabari on the same team. So it should be it should be really interesting to see. I think he's got a lot of upside. I think he's I think he could be good defensively. But but we'll see what kind of pro he turns into. He wasn't great in college last year, but he does have upside. Yeah, he does. You know, I think he does, especially in the defensive end. He's such a great rim protector last year, shot blocker, and for his size too, he can move for a guy. 250 he moves pretty well you know and I know he can't really score outside of the paint that's a big issue and I think some of the offensive deficiencies last year is because as you well know Penny Hardaway is not the greatest offensive mind in the world again he runs a great defense their defense is always great but offensively he just can't really scheme much up 
um, which I think was part of it. But yeah, I think he's got a ton of upside. Again, if he could start to get a shot, it would really help him. But again, I think defensively too, he's going to make a big impact on that end of the floor, especially early on. Maybe the offensive side, he kind of develops in the next couple of years. It, it could turn into a, a really, really good player. With the 13th overall pick, that goes to the Hornets. I got them taking the kid from Kansas. I got Ojabi going going there. We saw how good Ojabi was in college last year, and I think I think I think he, I, I think he's going to be a. De- I don't think he'll be a great pro, but I think he'll be a decent pro to complement with guys like you know a Terry Rozier and, and a uh, and a Lamelo Ball. For me, um, I got Mark Williams. He's not a great shooter either, but efficiency wise, last year, especially in the paint, he was seventy two percent. Um, I think he's got the potential here for a guy, you know, he not, he's not really going to face the floor too because of his size. Um, but I think somebody that could come in defensively, you know, offensively too, um, you know, can develop the offensive game as well, like Duran and kind of try to, you know, become a better shooter. Um, he's not as mobile either as Duran because Duran could really, really move for size. Um, but I just think Mark Williams could be a real, um, it's just an absolute paint beast and, you know, um, help out the Hornets come in, you know, and he could play above the rim too with LaMelo ball. Um, I think could be really, could be a good thing for LaMelo and for Mark Williams. Absolutely. 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 So with the number 14th overall pick, I got, I got, I got the Cleveland Cavaliers. I, they got a pretty good, they got two pretty good bigs. They got a good guard in, uh, in in Darius Garland, but I got them taking another another guard. I got them taking Mikel Branham from Ohio State. This is you probably saw him play more than me last year, but he, this is this is good. This, she, he was a pretty good. He was a good player at Ohio State, and I think he'll be a good pickup for the Cavs at number fourteen. Yeah, I think he will. You know, we'll stay close. Um, I believe he's from Akron. Yeah, here's somebody Burnham that came on really towards the end of February. You know, late January, early February. Really had a good last couple of months there. Kind of figured it out. Um, so he's somebody that yeah that played really well for him. And yeah, I, I think he could be somebody that could kind of plug in there. You know, come off the bench, knock down some shots for him when they need it. So um, I I think he could definitely be a really good pickup for the Cavs. I'm going with kind of another guy, kind of kind of similar. Is Oji Abaji out of Kansas? Um, I think kind of same thing. You know, Oji Abaji. Really improved his three-point shot. I think he's also a really solid defender. The worry for me is he's an older guy. He's in turn 22. And, you know, as you know, he wasn't, you know, could this be a flash in the pan from last year? Because uh, he was never really on any draft radar the last two years. And, and he really developed, you know, this year. But, again, is it potential or was it just, you know, he had a really solid year? I guess we'll find out. Um, but I think it is a risk work taken for the Cavaliers. And I think they – they go with uh, a Baji here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, yeah, that, that, that would be a good pick. Now with the 15th pick, it'll be our, the last, uh, and that's the last pick in our mock draft. We just do the first 15. Uh, I, I'm t- I got the Hornets. They got their second pick of the first round. I got them taking Mark Williams out of Duke. One of the weaknesses of the Hornets was the center position with Plumlee. I feel like th- th- that Williams could be a piece to help this team going forward. And I like my two, my two. I think I think Ajabi and Williams are two good players for the Hornets moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm going um, like with your 13 pick there with the Hornets. I'm kind of going with the four two and Johnny Davis. Um, you know, I, I think I think yeah, he's somebody as you mentioned. He's not a great three point shooter. Um, he got banged up towards the end of the year last year, and that's why he kind of struggled down the stretch. But he's a heck of a defender. He can. He's really good. He, you know, he can guard. 
he can, you know, guard guards and, and guard the wings really well. Um, he's hit some, he's, he can knock down tough shots when you need him. You know, he's a good rebounder. He averaged eight rebounds last year. Um, decent passer, but probably won't be doing a ton of that. Cause the, you know, Hornets have, you know, I don't think there'd be much worry with Rozier and, and the mellow ball there. So I think somebody come, come in, you know, um, you know, he's a pretty good shooter, you know, and had a really, really solid year, you know, especially at the beginning, end of the year, as I mentioned, kind of battled an injury. And I think that's why he kind of tailed off there at the end. Um, but it would be a really solid pick here for the Hornets. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we'll wrap up the NBA talk, talking about Kyrie Irving and him and, and contract talks are not going well between him and the Nets. He has until next week to decide if he wants to, if he wants to opt into his, uh, to, to his 36, to, to the last year of his contract, which, which will be, which will be making 36 and a half million dollars. So, so it'd be very interesting to see what happens with Kyrie Irving. But the big question is, is should the Nets give him a long-term deal? I'm, I'm saying no, he's just not, he's not dependable. I mean, w- I mean, uh, two years ago, he, he disappeared, didn't even tell his employees he was coming to work. Last, uh, obviously, we all know what happened this year, refusing to get vaccinated. You can't depend on him. You can't give a guy a max that you can't depend on. He's a, he's a very talented player, but you can't depend on him. That's why there is no way, in my opinion, the Brooklyn Nets should give Kyrie a max deal. No, I'm with you. I, I You can't. you know, And I know that means you run the risk of losing Kevin Durant here, but – you can't, you, you can't, you can't sign a guy that again, he skipped games last year to go have a birthday party. Like, you know, and then, you know, yeah, he's not dependable. He hasn't played a full season since he's joined the Nets. You know, he's been a headache everywhere he's gone. I just, you know, now the recent one of what the report of, you know, he kind of, you know, ran his own practices afterwards, you know, after net practice, he run his own. I, I just, how do you how do you give this guy a contract? I know he, he's a, he's a special player when he stays on the floor, but when he stays on the floor, again, it's not like he's gotten you close to a finals or anything. They got knocked out this year. They got swept. Like I, I think it's time to move on. And I know they gave up a lot for him. And I know they they you know with the Harden trade too and all that when they got him from Houston, they gave up a ton and really gave up some really good kind of young guys that they really could use, but. I think you, I, I, you got to get rid of him. He just, again, he's just, he's just a major headache and you got to stop. You got to kind of start over here in the Nets. Hopefully KD can try to recruit somebody in Brooklyn. Um, but I, I just don't think he's the right. I don't think Kyrie's the right. I, I just think it'd be pretty dumb by the Nets to resign him once again. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a, there's a very good chance that he opts into his, into the last year of his deal, but yes, I could see him being an unrestricted free agent. Now the thing is, is the team's, that are interested, like the Clippers and the uh, and the Lakers, don't have the cap, don't and the net and then the Knicks don't really have the cap space, so it could could be tough for Tim to get re-signed. But st- or or because he's not going to get near, anywhere near the money. He's not. Gonna, I don't think he's getting thirty six million if he if he if he's an un, if he's an unrestricted free agent. So and so I think, in my opinion, I think Kyrie would be smart just to take the thirty to opt into the deal this year, try to win it this year with Durant. Yeah, you would think so, but. You know, yeah, I, 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 you gotta be pretty dumb as to give him right now 36 million when he played what 30 regular season games and you do, you just don't know what's going to happen with him within week to week. So yeah, I, I, I think Kyrie's probably going to opt in here unless something really happens here. He really, you know, um, he thinks he can go out there and get more, which wouldn't shock me if he could, um, if he thinks he can get do better. I, I 
don't think he does. Um, but yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting if they could try to do a sign and trade with somebody. But yeah, as you mentioned, the teams, you know, like the Lakers would have to bring over Russell Westbrook, and I don't think KD would be very happy with that. Would you oh, want your no. name? I, no, 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 that would be a disaster. Yeah, I would. I, I think I know the answer, but would you want him if to play in New York, the Knicks? Uh, Kyrie? No. Yeah. No, no, no. I'd rather trade up for Jaden Ivey tomorrow and get my point guard that way. Not play with a guy that's going to not get me out of there. I mean, they'll make the playoffs if they get Kyrie, but they wouldn't get out of the first round. No, I completely agree. I, I take the chance of the Ivy instead of trading everything up for um, for Kyrie Irving. Yeah, he'll make you playoffs. Again, you, you, you just don't know how long he's going to be on the floor there. And I don't think Thibodeau either would take that kind of I, – I, don't think Thibodeau and Kyrie would match very well at all. I, I think that could be an ugly relationship. Absolutely. 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 Without question, without question. So uh, it should be interesting to see what happens with Kyrie. We'll definitely be talking about it next week, but we got to move on and talk about the Stanley cup finals and the avalanche have a two, one lead on the lightning. But before we talk about that, we're going to hear from our friends at JPEG financial. Do you have a 401k and some savings for future retirement, but don't even know if it's enough to live off of how much is enough? How often are you thinking about it? The team at JPEX Financial Group can help set your mind at ease. We specialize in creating strategies in the planning and managing of your financial, educational, and investment needs. We help clients pursue their investment goals with sound financial strategies. You deserve a personal, tailored plan. Lasting, meaningful, and open relationships are the foundation of our practice. You've worked hard for your money and should feel confident in your investment choices as you make decisions for your financial future. Your goals are our goals. We are dedicated to your needs and hopes for your future. Visit our website and give us a call at 860-430-5397. Securities offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. JPEX Financial Group, LLC is not a registered broker-dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services. JPEX Financial Group is located at 78 Eastern Boulevard, Glastonbury, Connecticut. All righty, so the Stanley Cup Finals is the the Avalanche, the Lightning, two games to one. Uh, Game one, it was a really good game, went to overtime. Game two, the Avalanche blew them out seven nothing, and then in Game three, the Lightning responded, and uh, they won six to two. So uh, right now, the series is, is uh, the, the uh, Avalanche are up two one, and the big question is going into Game three is the Lightning are going to Game four is the Lightning are kind of banged up. Kucherov is banged up. Braden Point's not going to play. Are could, are these injuries going to affect the Lightning going into Game four? I don't think so. John Cooper a little bit ago said Kucherov's going to play tonight. Braden Point had mentioned it is definitely out. So I think for Tampa, I think they'll be okay because they've been without Braden Point here for a while. So he's been in and out of the lineup with some injuries. So I think for the Lightning, they'll be fine. I think they kind of know the guys that could kind of step up behind them. Like Patrick Maroon's been in four straight Stanley Cups here. Like, you know, um, he's played pretty well. So no, I, I think the um I think the Lightning will be able to figure it out. I think they have enough talent. They know how to win. I think they they'll figure it out without Braden Point tonight. What do the Lightning have to do to tie the series? For the Lightning, it, it's they made the same type of judgment they did against the Rangers, and it was really in the neutral zone. Um, they got to continue to do what they did in Game Three. They got to stop those odd man rushes against against the Avalanche. You know, it, they had Colorado had a ton of those in the first couple games, and you know they, they you know Tampa Bay just could not stop them. 
And because it was the first time in a couple of years that we have not, we, I, especially for me, that I've seen a team out skate Tampa Bay, like Colorado did. They were just the faster team out there in the ice. And, you know, it wasn't really even close. And it was very surprising. But Tampa Bay, once again, made the right adjustments. Um, so for them, it's it's in the neutral zone again. You know, you got to stop them. And, and, you know, you cannot let lead to on-man rushes for um, Colorado because that, that's how they kind of got beat. Um, in the first couple games of series, and for number two as well, you know, Vasilevsky he's, he's really settled in, and yet again, um, even in game three, Colorado had more shots than Tampa Bay, and I think that's kind of how the series is going to go. So they're going to need, I think, Vasilevsky to kind of bail him out, and he's he's a guy that can be able to do it. So I think for them, they, they need Vasilevsky to be on top of his game, and I think he really settled in there in game three. Because um, again, if you shoot something at point blank, a couple guys in front. He's probably, he's, you know, very likely to make that save. And then, you know, our last one is kind of continue to kind of frustrate, you know, Colorado, like score early tonight, you know, take the lead early and kind of really put the pressure back to Colorado. And I know they do caught Tampa Bay does tie it tonight. Again, it is the best, best, you know, um, best, you know, best, um, best of three series and Colorado would have the edge with two home games. Um, but put some pressure back on Colorado tonight. You know, they're up 2-0 coming to Tampa. You know, they wanted to get one, but um, try to try to get some pressure on them early, especially because they got really, really frustrated the other night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's definitely, I think, what the Lightning got to do. Get, get pressure, attack. Don't sit back, attack the Avalanche. Now moving on to Colorado, what do they got to do to go up 3-1? They got to get Nathan McKinnon going tonight. You know, coming into the playoffs, or coming into the Stanley Cup, he had 11 goals and nine assists. He does have two assists in the first couple of games, but they got to get him. They, he's got to find the back of the net tonight, um, you know, because, you know, he's so important to their, to their offense and to their win, to, to their chances of winning. So for them tonight, they need Nathan McKinnon to get on, find the back of the net, hopefully early for them. Hopefully he gets some confidence going, and then Colorado could take off from there. And then two for Cal McCarr. He did not play really well the other night as well. Um, you know, on Monday or in game two, I thought, you know, he had two goals. He played really, really well. You know, even game one, I thought he played a solid game. So for tonight, he's got to play a lot better on the road tonight. Even his partner, Devin Taze, who actually played at Quimpiac, uh, he, he needs to play a little better as well. Um, that, so that back end there, especially in the first line, needs to play a lot better. And number two for them, or the next number three, is, um, is slow down Tampa Bay's top two lines. That line really got going. Samco's, um, you know, Kucherov did score before he got got hurt. You know that that top line, that those two top lines. That's when they got the Rangers there. That that was another thing is their top kind of lines there woke up and they got going. You got to shut down those two lines there. Um, you have a really good chance of winning. So they got to slow those those top two lines down tonight for the for the Lightning. Absolutely, and that's the biggest thing with the, with the Avalanche. I feel. I mean, I mean, that's the biggest thing with the Lightning. If they if those, if those lines can get going, they they could really succeed. Yeah, absolutely. We've seen it. You know, the last couple of years, they've been so good in that area. Um, you know, with the, with those top six there, because they they they're so talented and um, they're all kind of been big big time big game players. And yeah, when they get going, it, it's tough to stop them because. The, you know, you can't really just eye one of them. You, you got to lock down all three of them. And then even, you know, with the back end with like when when it's Hedman on the on the ice as well, you know, for a defenseman, he could score as well. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, you know, it's, you know, for Colorado, they can definitely do it. But, um, 
they gotta they gotta really um shut them try to slow them down tonight and try to you know try to put them on the brink of elimination absolutely 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 so before we wrap up with hockey we got to talk about one of our rangers and that's uh igor shesterk and winning the uh the Vezina's trophy last night for the best goalie in uh, in in hockey and uh, at 26 you're a ranger fan you got to be so happy that you got this guy you're going to have this guy for the, for the next probably you know for the next 10 to 15 years as a goalie for your team so you got to be so happy that that's why I said after they lost you got you're so happy to have that guy cuz you even saw in that game he lost the lightning some of the saves he made were outstanding so it's nice to be it's nice to, to not to have the best goalie in hockey again now the rangers got to start scoring yeah, it's been the problem the last decade. You got the goalie. Now you need the uh, now you need that goal. Now you need a big time goal scorer. But yeah, he's he was phenomenal this year. Um, you know, had a little bit of a rough of a rough patch there for for a bit um, late into the year. But yeah, he was he's been all he was unbelievable all year. He played really well in the playoffs, and it was the same thing with Lundqvist. And again, you know, they they've done a really good job of scouting goalies. You know, Lundqvist they found you know, and then Richter before then. Um, you know, they were both, you know, great goalies and they're both numbers are hanging in the Raptors and, you know, Igor hopefully will be the next one. And hopefully he's the one that can get the cut back to New York. Um, he can definitely carry, carry a team on his back like Lundqvist did, but again, you got to score. It doesn't, you know, it's great to have a hot goalie, but if you can't score, it won't matter. So yeah, Igor, he was fantastic all year. Um, great that he won the Vesna and, um, yeah, the future's bright for New York. Now they kind of just got to find that hopefully final piece there to, finish off the puzzle and hopefully make another run next year. Absolutely. 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 So the Yanks and Sox continue to play well. And we got the biggest sporting event in the state of Connecticut this weekend. But before we talk about that, we got an ad from Clovercrest media. There's no bigger investment than home ownership. And to make sure the house is up to your standards, you need a professional to look it over. Brian Flanagan from Shamrock home inspections is a licensed home inspector and a member of the Connecticut association of home inspectors. Brian was a contractor for over 15 years, so he knows how homes should be constructed and how mechanicals should work. What makes me a good home inspector was the 20 years that I was a home improvement person doing all the different repairs that I have done and what other people have done wrong that I had to go out and fix. So I have a pretty quick eye on seeing what's right and what's wrong. Before you move, call Shamrock Home Inspections. Before you make the biggest investment of your life, Call Brian Flanagan from Shamrock Home Inspections at 860-268-2566 or visit shamrockhomeinspectionct.com. So the Yankees continue to play well. You know they lost last night. They're 50-18. and 18. Everything's going well. Even the guys who aren't playing well are getting big hits. Gosh, Yoke had that third-inning home run. Hicks with that, with that double against the, against the Blue Jays and that triple on Monday night. He's had some big hits. Starting pitching has continued to be outstanding. Clay Holmes, yes, he's given up some runs, but he's continued to be outstanding. As we said last week, if this team could go like, you know, nine and four in this stretch against the Astros and the Rays and the Blue Jays, this is a special team. They already have gone six and one, too. And they arguably could have went, they probably should have went seven and one because they had an eight three lead on Sunday. Right now, I don't care how negative a Yankee fan you are, this is a special team, and you just got to admit that. Oh yeah, absolutely. They're they're playing some great baseball right now. Um, yeah, last night was a tough one. Even Sunday too, again, but the bullpen's gotta kinda, you know, it's gonna blow up eventually at at some point one game and that was Sunday. Um, but yeah, as you mentioned, guys kinda unnamed guys like 
Matt Carpenter has more home runs right now than Freddie Freeman. Like, you know, and, and Matt Carpenter has been here for like a month. Um, yeah, you know, Marvin Gonzalez hit a home run last night. It's kind of been some of the stars that, you know, Jose Torino, I think he's number two right now in the all-star voting for catchers in the American League. Like, you know, Torino may be an all-star. Like, that was that was a that was a great that was a really good trade. Getting Connor Fleckov Falef hasn't been that bad, and Trevino's played well. He's they both have probably played better than Gio Inch Sanchez. Yeah, yeah, they have, you know, and, and you know, yeah, and you know, that's that's kind of Catherine kind of making those underrated moves. I you know, Clay Holmes, you know, Matt Carpenter kind of figuring him out and bringing him in. So, yeah, you know, Catherine's made some really good moves, you know. Um, you know, kind of for left of, yeah, he's, he's kind of, he's been solid as well. So every yeah, Yankee right now in the rotation and, you know, Herman too, tonight is starting a rehab assignment as well. So you could have Herman as well starting soon. And that may help me, you know, some of that workload there, especially for like a guy like Nestor Cortez and Severino, you know, especially who hasn't thrown a ton of innings the last couple of years, kind of going with it's six man rotation. So yeah, you know, with the Yankees, you know, and we've seen her mind could be pretty good at times as well. So, um, you know, it, it, right now for the Yankees, yeah, it, it looks um, – this team is a, is a really special group right now. Absolutely. But they do face their nemesis this weekend in the Houston Astros uh, in Houston. I mean, starting on a Friday night with uh, Framer Valdez against Jamison Tyone. Saturday's a really good matchup if you've got Severino against Verlander. Sunday, uh, no, I mean, fr- no, Thursday, you got Tyone against Fl- Framer Valdez, Friday, Severino against Verlander, Saturday, Cole against Javier, and then Sunday, uh, Cortez against your, your, your query. I got to tell you, as the way this season has gone, I think they win three out of four. I think they take three out of four from the Astros. The only game I think they lose is the Verlander game. I got them taking three out of four. Yeah, I got them winning three out of four as well. You know, Houston's only played – 15 teams right so far or 15 games right now with against teams over 500. So they haven't had a ton of that. Um, so yeah, the way the Yankees are playing, I'll, I, I say they take your air four as well. You know, I know. Yeah. Probably Verlander is the one they lose. Verlander, they, they, you know, the Yankees have never been able to hit Verlander. Um, but yeah, the way the pitching staff's been, been pitching, you know, I, I expect them to slow down this uh, Houston offense right now. And yeah, the way, you know, judge is swinging it. I know he yesterday off, but um you know, the way guys have kind of stepped up swinging the bats, I think they could totally win three out of four against the Houston Astros, especially because, um, what, they've been so good at home. They're, they're 29-7 at home. They, they've been unbelievable at home. So, I think they find a way, yeah, to win three out of four against the Astros. Yeah, the Astros' bats haven't been that good this year. Really, outside of uh, outside of Alvarez, I mean, Jordan Alvarez, really, they haven't had much. They haven't had, their offense hasn't been that good. Altuve's had a down year. Bregman's had a down year. Obviously, they lost Correa in the offseason, so – the Astro offense is it's not as this is probably the worst offense they've had in five or six years. Yeah, which is which is crazy. Yeah, you know, obviously losing um you know, Curry is a big loss for him, but yeah, they haven't really um you know produced yeah, because Altuve's got 13 home runs, but it only has 24 RBIs, like bottom of the order really hasn't done much. Um yeah, Guriel's kind of had a down year. Alvarez has been unbelievable. Yeah, um, you know, Brantley's 300 hitter, but he hasn't done he hasn't produced a ton with only 25 RBIs. Um, but, yeah, you know, the offense really has not been great this year for the Astros. It's kind of been an up-and-down team. Bergman's kind of struggled that time. So, yeah, it's been a weird team, Houston. Again, and especially for them, like, everyone else in their division's under 500. Like, they can kind of just coast. So, um, 
but yeah, like their offense again, they're they're potent, and I, and I expect them to, you know, um, you know, he, you know, he seems to be right there to the very end. But yeah, the offense surprisingly had taken a step back this year. Um, more than I thought with losing Crea. Yeah, they've done it with their bullpen and their pitching. Verlander's had a great bounce back. Has been has came off Tommy John. He's been great, and their bullpen has been one of the best in baseball. Yeah, it has. Um, yeah, their their staff again. They got a lot of young arms, and Blanchard Colors. You know, they they miss. You know, um, he's out for the year, but like it really hasn't um, affected them at all. And yeah, Presley's been uh has been really good. Rafael Matero has been a nice addition for him. Um, you know, Ryan. Um, Stinky, well, his ERA is not even – it's a point, point and over right now for him. So, yeah, you know, they, they've had guys at the end of the rotation too, and it's it, and that's just been locked down. Um, you know, Verlander, I figured, you know, he wouldn't look as good as he has, you know, but, again, I I'm, guess I shouldn't be totally surprised that Verlander still one of the best pitchers in the game of baseball. He's been unbelievable. Bounce back coming from Tommy John in the final year of his deal. So, yeah, with all the, like, the young pitching Houston has – then the addition of Verlander in that bullpen. Um, it'll be a really good matchup here for the Yankees to kind of see how that offense goes against one of the best pitching staffs in the league. Absolutely, absolutely, without a doubt, without a doubt. So moving on to the Red Sox, they've been playing great too. They, they continue to play great. I mean, Trevor Story had a big night last night. They're starting pitching, Pavetta, Waka. It's really the, the starting pitching is, has been good. But the only issue with this team, and it showed up on Friday night, they won – but again, they don't have a consistent closer, and that's where I think High and Bloom has got to make a deal at the deadline because everywhere else they've been fine. The closer role's been an issue. Yeah, it has been. Um, yeah, and we kind of, that's kind of been the big issue the last, you know, pretty much since the offseason for them. Um, yeah, they've had guys step up with, um, you know, Evaldi going to IL. Um, yeah, so they've gotten kind of some some guys to step up like Josh Mankowski looked pretty good the other night. So yeah, um, for the Red Sox, it's it's a closer role. And next week, because they'll be in Toronto next week, and they won't have Tamer Houck again because Cora announced one day he's still unvaccinated, so they won't have him next weekend or next week when they go to Toronto. Um, but yeah, you know, Strom's pitched very well. John Schreiber is kind of the guy like to just come out of nowhere. That's been a really nice addition there for Hein Bloom um, to pick him up. But yeah, it's just it's the bullpen kind of has been able to do what it has to do. But yeah, it's that closer role. And it'd be interesting because there's always a closer or two on the market at the trade deadline that they can get. That's going to help them out. Be interesting um, who that will be. But yeah, this, this Red Sox team right now is um, it, it, that they're playing really, really well right now. And they've been a tough out, um, you know, especially taking two out of three from the Cardinals, a team right now that that's kind of in the playoffs. Um, they took care of business against them the, over the weekend. So, as Red Sox team right now, again, it's, they're firing all cylinders. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, now, and they're in that wild card race. They got a big, big series this week. Uh, they, big, big series this weekend in Cleveland. They got three in Cleveland. I think, I think they got three, three in Cleveland, and uh, I think three, three or four in Toronto. Three in Toronto. Two, three in Toronto. Three in Cleveland. So these are big six games with two playoff teams on the road. This is this week. We're going to learn a lot about the Red Sox. And, and if they are, you know, a, a, a playoff-worthy team. Yes, at the beginning of the year, they struggled. They've gotten hot. Now, this week, we're going to learn a lot about them, I think. If they go if they go one and five, then I don't think they're a playoff team. If they go five and one, I think they're definitely a playoff team. Three and three, we'll see. 
Yeah, you know, yeah. For the Red Sox, they didn't kind of get there because they've struggled, you know, um, against the East this year. They they really get the um team their division. You know, they they really showed the seven fourteen this year. Um, that's even the division. So going to Toronto is gonna be a big test for them this week or next week. But yeah, you know, Cleveland, that pitching staff and how young they are, they've been putting some really good baseball. So that's gonna be a tough out for them. But yeah, they can go. Three and three, four and two. I think it's a good road trip. Um, they can kind of just hang around there. You know, one of a couple of those spots, they're gonna be just fine, I feel like. I, I think this team's probably gonna make gonna make the playoffs. Um I expect Tampa Bay to get better. Like I expect all four, you know, Tampa, Toronto, and the, obviously the Yankees all make the playoffs, you know, with the Red Sox. So, you know, I think there's gonna be four teams from the division that's gonna make it in. Um, especially with the West being all under five hundred. So yeah, I think for the Red Sox for them, just kind of three and three, four and two. I think it'd be a successful road trip, and then um, or their road trip will continue. They play the Cubs that um, that following the you know, Fourth of July weekend, but and that team you should beat up on. And I think the Red Sox, you know, will be able to take care of business because especially that way that offense is hitting the ball right now. Yeah, it's it's a big big week for the Red Sox. We'll learn a lot about them before we talk about them uh, next next week. But we got to wrap up the show talking about the Travelers Championship. And uh, you look at the odds. Roy McIlroy is the favorite. You have Patrick Cantley is one of the favorites. Scotty Scheffler. Those are the three favorites. Obviously, Jordan Spieth is going to be playing. But it's really going to – I think it's going to come down to McIlroy, Scheffler, and Cantley. And it's, and it's probably – and the field is not as good, obviously, because of the live tour. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's not um, – unfortunately. But, yeah, I, I think, you know, Cantley, Scheffler – Probably, you know, McElroy's won it a couple times. Um, yeah, I think it could be either one of those three guys that, you know, the three favorites, you know, Dan uh, Sheffley as well. Jordan Speed maybe gets going. So, yeah, you know, it's unfortunate. Um, fuel isn't as good as it usually is. But, you know, with the money talks and that's kind of what's going on with the live golf kind of situation over there. Um, but, yeah, it's always an exciting travel championship where it's like, what 10 minutes from my house probably not even um it was pretty close to me but yeah it's always a fun week did you know only kind of major championship i i really i the only on kind of non-major championship i i watched for golf is uh the travelers absolutely and now that we're talking about the travelers we got to talk about this live tour and you know colin marikawa uh now brooks kepka this week that was a big story phil mickelson a lot of guys are now uh are going over to to, to, to to be in this live tour, and I think this is a this could be this is going to be a huge problem with the PGA because all the best players I feel like are, are could very easily go play in this live tour. Yeah, it's what it kind of seems like, unfortunately. And you know, then I kind of mentioned it, it's money talks, and you know they're getting paid. I think Justin Johnson's getting 125 million from Live Tour, and Tiger Woods has made like 121 million all time for you know. Um, for, you know, all of his golf winning. So, like, you know, you kind of see why they're doing it. But, yeah, it could really hurt the PGA because these guys are, you know, the guys in the live tour are, are getting, you know, you don't get paid for just participating in the PGA Tour like you are now over in live, in, over um, playing the live tour. So, yeah, it's unfortunate. And, again, you hope some of the some of these guys, top guys, do stay because it really will hurt the PGA if a lot of these top ten guys continue to, Decided to go to the Live Golf Tour. It, it will definitely hurt the PGA Tour um, big time. 
Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So that's going to wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with R&J. For Justin D'Onofrio, I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week talking NBA offseason, uh, more Yanks and Sox, and recapping the Stanley Cup final. Have a great weekend, everyone. Jones on first down, wide open, it's Barkley. And Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is availability. Saquon Barkley... He's great when he's on the field, but the problem is, since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this. They lob it to him. He taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball. Hands down. Finch, two for three. He's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball. Because the Yankees are not. They're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. Hello, my name is Joe McGuire. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Men. And great true crime shows like Sticky Week, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Bird, The Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com.